right, what's going on, everybody? How you all doing? Welcome back to the Fanatical Viewing Podcast. This is um, a little bit different. It should hopefully sound a bit better. I got a new microphone, got a little bit of a new setup, and um, it will hopefully get better. I do have to do a little bit of post-processing on this in order to get it to uh, sound a little bit how I want it to, but that'll be remedied in the future. I do have a, a new mixer on the way, so I should have... Um, some better audio quality and just ease of use kind of um, quality of life stuff that should make this a little bit better. Um, so that should be arriving, I think, in like May or something. I think it's like the like the first week of May I should, that should be arriving. So I'm pretty excited about that. That'll, that'll just kind of bring out the full potential of this microphone other than the one that I have, which is a, a few years old and it's pretty basic. And I had it for other, you know, things that I used several years ago, but, um, so that is basically that, but this time on the podcast, we are going to be talking about, uh, I want to talk about Persona 5 Strikers, which, um, as you guys know, if you guys are new to the podcast, you guys will probably know that this is more so my, uh, way of, you know, reviewing things, kind of, just talking about things in general without doing, like, a formal review video, over on the ch uh, over on the YouTube channel or anything, um, and trying to make it concise and under a certain time limit, and you know, and just like I can't be bothered to be that organized or to write like a real detailed review. I would rather just sit here and kind of talk about something and then pretty much go from there. But uh, so that's basically what this podcast is. There's no editing or anything in this podcast other than the post processing that I have to do uh, until the new mixer comes in. I'm going to do some post-processing on the audio file, but otherwise, in terms of, like, editing things out, I'm not going to do that, because um, honestly, I can't be bothered to, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, let's see, so we're going to be talking about Persona 5 Strikers, and uh, in the description of this video, um, or on the YouTube version, uh, if you're seeing this on YouTube, you can look in the description of the video to see where you can just find the podcast on the, um, you know, all your basic formats, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Um, I don't think it's quite on Apple Podcasts yet. I need to figure out why that is. Um, I need to send an email and figure that out, but um, I'll be doing that relatively soon. I'll probably do that later today or something, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about Persona 5 Strikers. I'm actually going to pull up uh, my phone real quick. Because I don't want to get anything wrong about this game, because this game is, um, let's see, published by Atlas and developed by, is it Omega Force and P-Studio, which P-Studio typically does the, the Persona stuff. I think they've done a, a couple other things. I think they kind of tend to do things with the Shin Megami Tensei series and stuff like that, I think. But I think P-Studio typically does Persona stuff and... Um, uh, and then Omega Force typically does the, uh, you know, the Dynasty Warriors style game as a hack and slash stuff, um, which a lot of people love the Dynasty Warrior games. Um, I used to like them, but it seemed like Omega Force themselves kind of fell out of love with making those games. And it seems like they were only really making them because Koei Tecmo was kind of making them. But uh, otherwise, like, when you have these games that are translated into these Dynasty Warriors-style games that are based on, like, other IPs. So, like, you have Hyrule Warriors, 
or the Fire Emblem games, or you have like a Berserk one, and then even this Persona, uh, this Persona Five one, they it seems like Omega Force just really has fun with the style and has a really fun time kind of translating these games into the format, and I find that really interesting. And they do a really good job of it. Uh, they do a really good job of it on like Hyrule Warriors, and they did a fan freaking tastic job of it uh on this game it's not like they just took the persona characters and the world and settings and themes and stuff like that and just made a hack and slash game like they actually implemented persona stuff into this game and i i really like i commended them so much like in a hack and slash game you know like well in the original persona game they had like they had freaking, like, you could ambush enemies to kind of get the upper hand in the battle and kind of get the first strike. So, like, stuff like that. Uh, a feature I never would have expected in a hack-and-slash game. But they put it in here, and it's awesome. And then you can even get, like, little perks and stuff to where if you ambush... Um, uh, if you ambush some enemies after the battle is over, you will get um, a boost to your XP, um, which is awesome. They have so many cool perks... Uh, in this game that are just kind of like that kind of it seems like their main reason for being there is to kind of help you along in the game because um, playing it on a normal or even hard difficulty some of the battles can get pretty freaking hard uh, especially later in the game so these perks really feel more like just passive things that kind of give you a little nudge that kind of make it feel like the game isn't too difficult like it it, it knows it doesn't need to be, like, a Dark Souls-style thing or anything, which I really liked. Um, man, they did such a great job on this game. Um, so the way they implement... And th the way they even do the Persona stuff is amazing. Like, the way they did it, um, it takes a little bit of time to learn how to use the Personas or to get... or to keep in your mind to use Personas during combat. I, I think, I can't remember what button it was. I think it was either L1 or R1. You had to, like, hold it to bring up your persona or your personas because the main character has this ability to have many personas at once. But uh, the game does... Um, the game does a really good job of kind of, like... You kind of have to keep in your mind to use your personas. But once you, you know, come across some pretty powerful enemies... Um, you kind of instinctively just go to use your personas. Like, the way they implemented that feature was really cool. The way they implemented the, um, oh, I forget, was it executing? I think it's, I think they called it executing. Um, the way they implemented the executing of the personas to combine them into something else. Straight from Persona, like the main Persona 5 game. Like, the, the way they implemented it was so well done. It felt really natural, and it really feels like... Persona 5 Strikers is a, it really feels like a companion game to the main game. And it's, it's super freaking, it feels like it could have been, like you sometimes get uh, games that get expansions. Like content expansions. Or like, um, you know, what would, like standalone expansions, let's call it that. The Persona 5 Strikers almost feels like a standalone expansion to the main game. Now, I spent about 100 hours in Persona 5 when I first played it, and I think I was at about 
I actually can't remember. I can actually look on Twitter real quick. I was in, like, I believe, like, 30 hours or so of this game. So if we're going to call it, like, a, you know, a standalone expansion, it's a pretty fucking long standalone expansion. But let me, uh, let me scroll through my Twitter here. I, I should have a picture, I think, of of the hours that I that I put into the game. I probably should just download the PlayStation app because I think it would probably tell me, but I can't be bothered to do that. I played 35 hours, 33 minutes of Persona 5 Strikers. So I, you know, for a standalone expansion, quote unquote, um, yeah, I, I spent quite a, quite a bit of time in this game, but it does kind of feel like, you know, how you had Uncharted 4 and then Uncharted was it Lost Legacy or whatever, where you played as Chloe? It kind of feels like that. It feels like a more, even though the Persona 5 Strikers took me 35 hours, it felt like a more condensed, streamlined companion game because you do spend a lot of time in Persona 5, uh, you know, building up relationships, uh, doing daily stuff, studying, and, you know, stuff like that, where a lot of, like, Stuff like that is condensed in Persona 5 Strikers. You're not really building up relationships or anything like that, but you do walk around areas, you do talk to your companions, and you can uh, even do, like, little... Um, there's side quests, kind of, in this game that vary from having to go back to the perspective jails, which we'll talk about, and uh, stuff like that. So, like, that stuff is pretty condensed. The Persona stuff in general actually isn't all that condensed, like going to the Velvet Room and upgrading your Personas or combining them or whatever um, isn't really all that condensed, but I wouldn't say that that stuff in Persona 5 in general was all that deep anyway. It was just a... It was... It is what it needs to be, basically. So that's not... I'm not knocking the game by saying it's not deep. I kind of prefer games to be, you know simple i'm i'm a simplistic kind of guy i think sometimes simplicity can do more than complexity but um but this game feels very streamlined it's somehow like um it has open moments where you can kind of take your time relax kind of go through some areas um and then but it feels very but it does feel a bit linear it feels like you're making more progress as a whole, where in Persona 5, you kind of, you almost kind of plan out what you're going to do. You're kind of planning out like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to study or I'm going to work to make some money or I'm going to build up my relationship with this character where really you don't need to do any of that in Persona 5 Strikers. It's all just kind of streamlined and the game is taking you basically on its pace, but it's kind of like you can either go really fast or you know, fast, but at your own kind of pace, if that kind of makes sense. You're still going fast, but they're going the speed that you want to go, where sometimes in Persona 5, you could be, uh, it's almost hard to go really fast, but you can play Persona 5, like, at your pace, or you're playing it at the game's pace, and Persona 5 Strikers doesn't really feel like that. Um, it feels like it's always kind of pushing you along, which I guess is almost kind of like playing at the game's pace, but you can kind of force the game to slow down a little bit, especially when you get to the side quest stuff and you can, 
uh, go back and revisit old jails and stuff like that. Which is another thing that I do want to talk about in this game is that it does seem like some people might see this as a problem that the game kind of lacks originality which I would argue against when you're in like the main combat of the game I think it took so much creativity to take Persona and turn it into a hack and slash game where you can not only play as the main character but you can play as you know, all your other companions. You you have a team of four people, and you can play as any of the four. You don't even have to choose the main character to be in your party, I'm pretty sure. Like, you could choose any of the four characters. And then, you know, the way they implemented the ambushes, the persona stuff, they even have, like, ways you can sneak around in the environment by jumping onto vantage points to ambush characters and stuff like that. Like, I think that took so much creativity. But I feel like something that some people might complain about is the the game and its story and its concepts are kind of just variations of what the original Persona 5 game did. And by that I mean it kind of... So like in the original Persona 5, I believe you were initially infiltrating palaces. And I think were the were the bosses called monarchs? I can't I can't remember. It's been a while. I haven't played Persona Five since it came out, and I played the original version. I never played uh, Persona Five Royale, or is it Royal? I think it's Royal. I keep getting keep thinking of Royale because fucking battle royale games have become you know top shit. But I think. They were pal I think there were palaces and you fought monarchs where uh, this time around you're infiltrating jails and um, basically they do this because Persona 5 for the most part had a pretty definitive kind of edit like ending the palaces or yeah the palaces were pretty much done stuff like that but now there's like a new app that was made by a tech company that is creating all these problems wasn't really created by a tech company, but, you know, I don't want to go into spoilers too much into the story, but um, it is kind of like, you know, the same story, but different app, kind of, um, and different story behind the app, so they're, and the, the places work similarly, like the palaces, and in this game they're called jails, they work similarly, but not similarly, I, I don't know why I said simile, but similarly, and uh, but not quite the same, so they feel like they need to call them something different. And in this case, they call them jails. And I believe the bosses are called they might be called wardens. It's weird. I like I can't I can't remember all the details exactly on that. Uh, it's been I beat the game like several weeks ago, maybe more than a month ago. Um, but I'm just now kind of talking about it because I was you know starting up the podcast, getting some equipment, stuff like that. But uh. I do, I do believe they're called wardens, maybe, or whatever, but you do have to infiltrate these, uh, the jails, and you have to collect these three items, basically, and then you get to, and then you can get to the area where you can fight the warden. And a lot of people can complain about the, uh, you know, the 
creativity of that. It's not too creative, I guess. Got to pop my neck. Um, it is more of just kind of a spin on what happened of, of basically what happens in Persona 5. But uh, I think it's nice. It feels similar. But I think, I think that is nice because it feels similar. It feels like a companion game. The game doesn't feel completely different or completely dejected from the original game, which I think is very important. Um, and, like, they, they follow everything so well in this game. Like, all the characters feel the same. Like, uh, you know, uh, Morgana, Ryuji, uh, Makoto, um, all the characters on... Like, they all feel the, like the absolute same characters from Persona 5. And that's probably because, you know, you had a mix of P-Studio and Omega Force working on this game. So P-Studio probably did, I'm assuming, a lot of the writing to keep the characters the same and stuff like that. And, of course, like, the game looks exactly the same. Like, all the character models, the graphical style, everything just looks the same. Um... Like, the game just, like, everything, it still feels very much like Persona 5. Even the the new characters that they introduce in this game from, um, oh, I can't remember the police guy's name now. Um, that kind of, you kind of grow, uh, get a bond with throughout the game. Um, let me look him up real quick. Um, Zenkichi. Um. You know, like, he's a new character, and he feels very much like a Persona 5 character, even though he wasn't in the main game. Uh, the main... Uh, I guess, quote-unquote, the main bad guy uh, in the game, you know, feels like a genuine Persona 5 character. All the bosses in this game feel like gen genuine Persona 5 characters. Like, they, they made this game so well, and even just transferring over, like, everything graphically just how it looks like exactly like persona 5 is just amazing the way they even created the jails and even all these new environments because a large portion of the game is basically like they have to work with this cop guy and it's summer vacation so they're traveling all over japan and you go to all these new places um you, you go to kyoto um i believe you go to okinawa like you go to all these places and all of them just look amazing and they look like persona 5 there's no point in me playing this game that i feel like the game doesn't feel like it should like it doesn't there's no point that i thought that this doesn't feel like persona 5 or anything um it obviously doesn't feel like other persona games because you know uh how should i say this like persona 5 each persona game does kind of feel different from the last while keeping thing while keeping like gameplay elements that feel familiar but like persona 3 feels different from persona 4 and persona 4 definitely feels different from persona 5 so it's kind of like they just did an amazing job i can't i i cannot give them enough credit i really love what they did here it's just it's a fantastic game. I love it. And the combat is amazing. The combat feels really smooth. Um, if I did have, like, one main complaint with the game, because I'm trying to reach for my, for my drink, uh, if I had one main complaint with the game, 
it would be that it doesn't so much encourage the use of other characters. Um, and that is something I have noticed from other Omega Force, you know, Dynasty Warriors uh, style games. Is they do typically kind of promote through some natural way in the gameplay, promote the use of uh because i got hiccups uh of other characters and in this game they don't really do so um and i don't know if that's necessarily a fault of like omega force and persona 5 strikers because you know you're in per in the main persona game you basically play as all the characters uh, i believe there's a setting that you can change to where all the uh to where your teammates make their own decisions like it's ai controlled and then you just control your character but normally by default i think you control all the characters and you choose what attacks and stuff that they use um so that game kind of in a way you know promotes you using all the characters or whatever in this game it's a little bit different where you know you're playing as your main character and then once you get into uh the the jails they kind of they they'll follow you around and then in battles they'll do their own attacks and stuff like that and then you can switch to the characters of your own free will at any point like you can change to another character plays that character plays them in battles or whatever um but there's almost no reason to and this is why kind of where i was getting at when i was talking about i don't think it's necessarily this game's fault because the the main character joker that you play as he can have like so many he can have a bunch of different personas. So you can have, like, you can pick your team. Like, you can have Ryuji, who typically does, like, lightning attacks, or Makoto, who uh, I believe has, like, nuke attacks and stuff like that. And, like, uh, a new character, Sophie, in this game, she was, like, pretty good at healing. So you could have, like, all these characters, and then you have your main character, and you can have your main character carry a whole bunch of different personas. And you can have all your personas cover all the gaps in enemy weaknesses that they don't cover, you know? So uh, you could have, like, an ice persona or a fire persona, wind persona. Like, you could have all these personas that do different attacks that your teammates' personas don't do, and you can kind of cover all the bases. Um, so you already have a character that is, you know, that you're already, you know, mostly playing as already, who has a bunch of personas that can cover the gaps and weaknesses of your enemies. So why would you necessarily need to switch? So the game doesn't really like promote you using the other characters, and you don't really need to worry about your other characters. Like if you don't have, since you have Ryuji in your party, you didn't really think to carry a persona that that does lightning damage. So because Ryuji does it, you don't really ever need to switch to Ryuji at any point and use a lightning uh, a lightning attack. The AI is pretty good. The AI, for the most part, knows what it needs to do, what attacks it needs to do, and knows the AI is going to use your skills, like, quite frequently. There's no... At no point did I ever feel like the AI wasn't doing their job. So, the only time you ever really use the other characters, and I would really recommend using the other characters, is uh, during the combat you will see a kind of a D-pad directional button prompt in one of the corners of the screen. I can't remember if it's the top right or top left, but 
um, it'll pop up and it will kind of do, um, I believe they call it kind of like a baton, uh, baton pass sort of attack where you will uh, switch to the other character and that character will do some sort of attack. And it's kind of like you're kind of uh, combining attacks, doing some kind of combo and stuff like that. And I do recommend doing those. Those kind of will beat down the enemy a little bit quicker so you can kind of uh, stagger them and do kind of like a um, kind of like a big team attack I don't remember what the what the attack is called but it is kind of like a it's kind of like a special attack where all the characters attack at once and there's this little cinematic that plays um, so that's really the only time that the game kind of encourages you to use other characters and even then like usually the uh, baton pass attacks are pretty quick like you press the button it switches over they do the attack and then it's done it's like it happens in a like a, like a second so um, but then almost immediately after that if you're attacking with that character for a couple seconds and no other directional button combo press comes up uh, I kind of found myself switching back to the main character So that's, I mean, so that's a little bit disappointing, but especially since all the character, I love all the characters in Persona 5. I think they're all interesting. They all have very interesting personalities. You know, Ryuji and An are very different characters compared to like Morgana and, you know, whatever. So you have a very interesting cast of characters, and I love all of them. I love all the characters. And I would like to play as them more, but um, I also have a hard time faulting the game for that the game doesn't uh it's just a nature the nature of what persona 5 kind of turned out to be you know as you playing a character who can carry a fuck ton of personas at once so i have a hard time blaming like omega force for that i have a hard time blaming them for that from a development standpoint because it, it wasn't really their fault it was just a an aspect of Persona 5 that P-Studio came up with when they were developing the original game. Had to get a drink there. Um, let's see. What else can I talk about? I do like, for the most part, as you're playing the Jails... Uh, they kind of start out with a structure of like, okay, you go to the jail, you kind of uh, explore the jail a little bit, and then you have to go to these kind of cages that carry items. Um, and as you uh, get all the items and unlocks, you know, more of the, the jail or whatever, and then once you get all three of them, it unlocks kind of the, uh, it allows you access to where the boss fight's going to be. And then once you get to the boss fight, you have to uh, basically go to a place that will unlock the boss fight. And uh, I don't remember what those rooms are called. I really can't remember. Like it's on the it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it. But you go to these rooms to kind of uh, unveil a deep memory in the uh, the person whose jail you're in. Um, and then it unlocks the the cage to the boss fight, basically. And uh, a lot of the early jails kind of start out following that formula, uh, but the uh, 
kind of lost my train of thought for a second there. Uh, but I'm losing my mind. But uh, as you get to the later jails, the formula starts getting uh, mixed up a little bit. Things kind of change. Um, there's even a jail a little bit later in the game that doesn't even follow that like process at all. That kind of ends without a boss fight entirely. So it's uh, it, it's pretty interesting. I like how they kind of mix it up. It doesn't it keeps it from feeling you know boring as time goes on. And each jail does kind of have its own theme. Whether it be like uh, one of the very first um, jails you go to actually feels like a jail. And then there's one you go to that's kind of like a snowy kingdom, um, stuff like that. So they all feel very different. They all kind of have, one actually feels like very Japanese. It kind of takes place in this Japanese sort of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a park sort of thing kind of set up or whatever but there's like there's shrines and stuff like that so it feels very uh feels very japanese but um what you would expect i mean it's set in japan made by japanese developers stuff like that but anyway um so all the jails feel very different and they have different kind of like enemies that kind of follow certain characteristics so like as you would expect the uh you know, this, the Snowy Kingdom Jail mainly has, like, ice or snow enemies, like the, uh, what's the, what's Atlas's, like, mascot, the little, uh, Jack Frost little guy, um, kind of with a blue hat, you know, um, so kind of stuff like that, um, let's see, what else could I talk about in the game? As far as, like, other aspects of the game that are streamlined, um, you know, like in the original Persona 5, you would have to go to different stores and uh, purchase uh, weapons and stuff like that. And you can do that in this game. And in between each jail, every time you go to a new place like Okinawa or whatever, there are stores that you can go to and buy stuff like ingredients to cook. Or you can go to like pharmacies and pick up some, you know, health items or whatever. Uh, you can do that. But in terms of, like, weapons and stuff like that, you actually go to a, um, like I said earlier in the game, the or earlier in the podcast, the game kind of takes place around the concept of our group of characters kind of traveling Japan in an RV. And uh, when you go into the RV, to give a little bit of context, there's this new character that's kind of traveling with the main characters from Persona 5 in this game called Sophie and she's kind of this AI character in the real world and then once you get into the uh shit what do they call it I don't remember what they called the persona like the the world where the jails are I don't remember what they call it but uh and that bothers me that's on the tip of my tongue too but she actually has a form there and she fights with you but in the real world she's just an AI character in your character's phone and she can actually, you can access a shop through her if you go into the RV. And you could also, through her, well, it's not really through her. From the RV, you can do a lot of stuff. Like, you can access the side quests. You can buy, you know, you can go to Sophie's shop. You can buy items, um, weapons, armor, stuff like that. That's where everything is. The RV is kind of the hub of where you get your main stuff. And then... Once you get to certain areas, you can go to local shops and you can get um, 
items that are unique to that area because like I said, you can cook so you can buy recipes and then you can um, buy ingredients for that recipe. And then the, when you cook, I believe it gives like your team a certain attribute bonuses of some kind when you're in, uh, when you're in the jail fighting and stuff like that. Uh, so a lot of that stuff is pretty much is pretty streamlined as well. Um, one of the other things that I would say bothers me about this game, and it's not a problem with this game, it's a problem with Persona 5 as well. There was a lot of unneeded dialogue. And I think uh, this is a problem with Persona in general. Not just Persona 5 or Persona 5 Strikers. Persona has a dialogue problem. There is sometimes way too much dialogue and there's sometimes too much dialogue interrupting the gameplay because sometimes you'll play for like 10 seconds and then you'll get a bit of dialogue then you'll play for a minute bit of dialogue you'll play for a couple seconds more dialogue it's like the characters always want to talk but they all have to stop and talk like you have to stop and have a conversation you can never talk on the move which is kind of, which is kind of annoying, um, and like it almost sometimes feels like the characters are fighting to get the last word in. You know, like it'll seems like it, it'll seem like someone says something that ends the conversation, but then another character will just ch will just talk and kind of just say okay or yeah, let's do it or some other shit like that. Um, just to have the last word, and sometimes it feels like they're all competing to just have the last word, and it it's a little annoying, but you can't hate it too much, just mainly because the characters are so, I mean, you love the characters, they're, they're awesome, they're hilarious, and they all have their own personalities, and um, I especially, I mean, I just love the designs, that's not a thing with this game particularly, you know, I mean, this stems from the original Persona 5, but just the character designs are amazing, uh, I love them. I think they all look great, especially the new characters. Uh, Zenkichi in particular looked like really, like when he got his persona, uh, his persona was really badass. I really liked the way his persona looked. Uh, I also really liked his costume that he got too. He looked really fucking cool. He kind of had like that, kind of like the, uh, the plague doctor mask, but only the, like the top half, like the eyes and then the top half of the pointy nose. It wasn't a full like, plague doctor mask i don't know i just thought it was the new designs are really cool as well i think they're amazing and even when you get to the boss uh, the bosses they all have their own unique design in the jails and stuff like that i really man they did such a great job but the the dialogue is a little bit of a <laughs> is a little bit of a problem uh some of the characters just talk too much and there's too much dialogue like stopping and starting and stuff like that um and i know they do allow you to fast forward and stuff like that like i could read it at my own pace which you do have to do there is sometimes a lot of uh, dialogue that isn't voice acted um that you just read on your own and skip through but there is a lot of dialogue in this game that is voice acted, and you don't really want to skip it, especially if you're playing the game, you know, 
if, if this is your first playthrough of the game, you don't want to skip all that stuff. You want to know the story. You want to know what's going on. So you can't really skip it. And plus, the voice acting is, like, is is pretty good. Like, I know a lot of voice acting for, like, Japanese games, especially, um, especially in a lot of anime recently. Like, the voice acting is just not good. Like, I think the English voice acting for a lot of current anime right now... Um, uh, Funimation does a lot of, pretty much, like, dubs everything that they do, and, god, I think it's fucking terrible, like, I could not stand to watch My Hero Academia English voice acting, I don't watch really anything, like, I don't really watch any anime or any foreign film with English dubbing, I always watch it with subtitles, I always have subtitles on anime anyway, even with things that are in English, um, because just in case there are some, like, low-volume scenes or something like that, and you can't really hear them, and I can't turn up my speakers because my fiancé is sleeping or whatever, but, you know, I I always have subtitles on, but e even more so with, like, foreign movies or anime, I watch it in Japanese with English subtitles, but every once in a while, I'm just like, you know what, I want to, I want to see what the English voice acting is, is like, and typically I go to YouTube and I look up a clip or something like that, and it is just god fucking awful. I Funimation is terrible at their at their dubbing and it it's like it's weird cuz like there used to be some good ones like Bleach kind of like lost its edge a little bit later on. Some of the uh voice acting in Bleach kind of got worse as time went on. But like it started out really good and for the most part even later on like for the most part it's okay. But, like, Cowboy Bebop is, I think, better dubbed. Trigun, I think, is better dubbed. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist and then, of course, Brotherhood are absolutely fantastic dubbed. Like, we had some really good dubbed stuff. Fully Cooly was amazing dubbed. Uh, I even think the two newer seasons for Fully Cooly were pretty decent dubbed uh, for the most part. But... It's like, we're not really getting that anymore. Like, what the fuck happened? I couldn't even stand to watch, and I'm not a big Dragon Ball fan, but I couldn't even watch Dragon Ball Super dubbed. But Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball dubbed are all great, but for some reason, Dragon Ball Super dubbed is, like, not good. And it seems like... I don't know. I, I just can't tell if these voice actors just have... If Funimation is looking for people that just have a nice voice that sounds good over a microphone, and they're just having them do the voice acting without any, like, actual acting ability, because, believe it or not, if you're a voice actor, you have to have some amount of acting ability. Sometimes even more so than an actual actor, because you're, you're behind a microphone. There's no visual element to help you act. So... So I don't know if it's that or Funimation just gets these people who are talented voice actors but just are not directed well. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard, but I don't know. But in Persona 5, Strikers, getting back on topic, the voice acting, for the most part, is like pretty fucking good. There's some weird awkward moments in there that feel a little off, but for the most part, like the voice acting is is really good and I really enjoy it just such great characters 
and the gameplay is fantastic and they even find ways to in each jail kind of mix up the gameplay they'll have you do something different or something or other and they throw little things in there like uh, sometimes Futaba will need to hack a computer console to unlock a door or something like that and you have to defend her until she's done you know little things like that and they throw environmental stuff in there, like I said, not just for sneaking, but also things that will help you uh, attack enemies as well. Like, there's one where I think you get on a skateboard and, like, run into enemies. There's one where you could, like, toss swords around. Like, just really imaginative. They did a really good... They did a really good job on this game. I really commend them. And... I don't know, man. I just... I really freaking enjoy... I really freaking enjoy this game. It was so good, so much fun. And I would even say that if you've always been kind of interested in Persona, but not really a fan or not really good at JRPG stuff, and I'm typically not, um, Persona 5 is a pretty easy game to get into just because it kind of takes some of the deep uh, JRPG mechanics and kind of simplifies them a little bit some of the earlier persona games don't do that but persona 5 in particular does kind of simplify the jrpg mechanics a little bit but even if like you can't really get into something like the persona 5 main game i really think you can get into persona 5 strikers if you kind of want to see what uh persona is all about or just kind of get a different taste of persona you know without really the the jrpg mechanics and really i don't feel like you will need to, even in this game, you can grind if you want to. Like, you can go to the jails, you can fight everything. Um, but there is, like, side quests and stuff you can do and stuff like that. But I never really felt like at any point I needed to grind in this game. Especially if you do uh, a pretty good job of selecting, like, your skills, like the passive skills that you can get. I believe they're called bond skills. Um... If you do a pretty good job at picking those and leveling those up, they actually help you more than you think. Especially some of the upgrades that I recommend is not only upgrading, you know, your basic strength, uh, health, SP, um, and stuff like that. But there's also skills that give you a little bit of health after a successful ambush or after every battle you get a certain amount of health. So I would really, you know, those are really good ones to get pretty early on, um, and then, of course, um, you get bond skill points or whatever as you level up your character. But you can, um, uh, fuck, what is it? Um, there's a, uh, a skill you can get that gets you more, like, bond skill points when you level up. Like, that's something you could really do. Like, those really do help you, and they actually do kind of give you uh, the a little bit of an... Uh, kind of the, the upper hand in battle and stuff like that. Um, so I really think if you're not really into, like if you've always wanted to get into Persona um, or a Persona-style game, just you're not really good at JRPG mechanics, I think Persona 5 Strikers could really be the game for you, um, especially since uh, it is set up very similar to Persona 5. You know, like I said, you're instead of palaces, you're doing jails and stuff like that. Like the general layout or idea of the game is the same it's just gameplay changes are made you know different style of gameplay entirely from you know kind of turn-based to hack and slash 
and you know uh, streamlining a lot of the JRPG mechanics um, and making it more so fit a more linear style game. And even though I say this game is a little bit more linear, it is still long. I mean, I spent fucking 35 hours in it, so you guys know that it is definitely worth uh, the money. The I believe I paid 60 bucks for it, I think. I'm not 100% sure about that. It might have been 50 but, like, still worth the money. 35 fucking hours. I enjoyed every fucking minute of it. And even when it, was, even when it ended, just like when I played the original Persona 5 game, uh, when it ended, I was sad it was over. Uh, just because I love the characters, I love the adventure that we're going on, and it's just, it's just so much fucking fun. Like I said, my only real complaints are, uh, sometimes it's too wordy, which can be a problem with, you know, JRPG games in general, and that is a kind of a persona problem, but you also tend not to care so much because the characters are so likable, and, um, what else? Oh, and the, uh, the game not really encouraging you to play as the other characters, which only really becomes a problem in this game specifically because, like I said, in Persona 5, you do kind of play as all the characters if you decide to, you know, actually use all the characters and not turn on the auto-attack feature for them. And, um... and so that's really only that is really only a problem with this game specifically. Um, especially when you just have such interesting characters, and they all look interesting, they all have interesting personas, so not really playing as them, or not really being encouraged to play as them is kind of unfortunate, especially when, like, all the other Omega Force games, you know, Dynasty Warriors-style games, do kind of want you to play as all the characters. But, uh... Seems like just because of the subject material of this one in particular, it doesn't really encourage that. But, you know, whatever. Overall, fantastic game. I really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend it to just about anybody. Super freaking fun. But that is going to end this episode of the Fanatical Viewing Podcast. Uh, the next episode, I don't know when it'll be up. Um, I will probably try to do another one or two of these before my new mixer gets in. I almost thought about waiting, but like for now, this setup is pretty good. Like I said, just a little bit of uh, post-process, like post-processing um, to the audio file, and it should be good enough. So if there was anything weird in this uh, podcast, I apologize. If it turns out a little weird, I apologize. I'm getting a new mixer that'll really kind of help with a feature set that will really help with this microphone and kind of just make things nicer. So uh, I do apologize if there was anything weird in this podcast. Uh, but I did think about waiting until that arrived, but that's like the first week of May. And I figured this setup, and just with a little bit of processing, I could, you know, do some podcasts in the meantime that'll be, like, good enough. Or even for, maybe even for the most part, like, good for, you know, most people regardless. But... I, I would really like to cut out the the need for the post-processing, really. Especially if I can just get a... Um, especially if I'm going to be doing this for the long run, it would just be really nice to have a like an actually good mixer. But, anyway. Um, what else was I going to say? But I probably will try to pump out another one or two of these before the new mixer comes. Uh, let's see what I... I have a list of the stuff that I want to talk about 
on the podcast. Basically, anytime I watch a movie or play a video game or something like that, I add it to the list of stuff to talk about. I have it on a list on my phone. Let me see the uh, next thing I want to talk about. Uh, actually, next podcast will be a combination of two different things. Um, if you guys have been on the, the YouTube channel for a while, you guys know I've been working up. Um, I finished my Studio Ghibli collection so I could watch all the movies and rewatch the ones that I have seen. So I could do a big Studio Ghibli tier list video. And, um, but I do also want to talk about the individual movies on this podcast to give a little bit more detail. And then I'll still do the tier list video with me ranking the, uh, the movies. But I do want to talk about each individual film. So next podcast, which I will probably do in about a week or so, uh, I will talk about Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind and Castle in the Sky. So that'll be a podcast with you know two, uh, two things in it uh, instead of just one, which I thought would be appropriate since they're both you know Studio Ghibli movies, and uh, a lot of my thoughts could kind of translate from one to the other. But that'll be on the next podcast, and thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Fanatical Viewing Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.